Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption, and we've got another great show for you today. We are going to be discussing today why autism is on the rise. So this is a topic that I think a lot of people are very interested in because we've seen a big surge in this, and it's been in the media all over the place, and we have a wonderful specialist with us today to discuss um, autism and uh, maybe some of the factors regarding that and uh, get rid of some of the myths um, if we can and um, and help you understand this more as a parent, uh, as a grandparent, a care provider, and uh, just people concerned. Uh, maybe you're an educator, too, and would like to know more about autism. So um, be sure to call your friends and let them know about the program. And this is also available on CD um, through our website, letstalkadoption.com. So uh, if you'd like, the best thing to do is to go to the website, sign up for our newsletter reminder. It's on the left-hand side of our first page of the site, and you can click it, put on your email there. We never sell your emails. And uh, we'll send you some notices on upcoming shows as well. You'll also find other resources and links to help you too. If you'd like to send me more questions, and many of you have regarding the show, um, send them over to info at letstalkadoption.com and um, then we'll go ahead and ask those questions on the air when we get a chance. So today my guest is Dr. Ron Huff and um, we're going to talk about autism. He's a specialist. He is currently the director of the clinical intake division at the Alta California Regional Center and he does specialize in autism and developmental disorders and so we're excited to have him on the show. Welcome to the show Dr. Huff. Thank you very much. Well you know we have a lot of questions more than I realize come in um, regarding autism because I think it has been in the media. Um, I know myself personally, when I started making a list of people I know, friends and family members uh, that have children that have been either diagnosed with autism or other forms of developmental disorders, um, there are five of them in my own personal network and um, that I know very well. And, and so why is this increase coming about at this time of our, our life? Well, the, what you're sharing about your personal space um, and your personal uh, network of friends uh, being populated by more children with autism is, is very common um, um, comment that's made by a lot of uh, families these days. And actually, the increase that we're seeing today is a combination of, of many factors. Uh, one of them is, uh, which is often used to explain the increase, uh, which has been very dramatic in Perhaps we can talk more about the details of that later, but um, <clears throat> it has to do with the fact that the definition, the way that uh, the American Psychiatric Association, uh, based on research, has defined the criteria for diagnosing children with that disorder, that uh, has broadened, uh, particularly mm -hmm. in 1994, mm -hmm. uh, when that uh, broader definition was published, uh, that uh, sort of uh, widens the net, uh, so to speak, uh, for catching children who might have otherwise been missed. So it would fly under the radar. So are you saying maybe it's showing more where there really isn't more, or it's they're catching more children that... that that are? I think uh, we're catching more children whose signs are more subtle and who tend to be uh, a little um, less obvious to the casual observer. Uh, but my main point is that uh, we cannot account for all of the kids that we're seeing coming into uh, our statewide regional center system. And uh, you've got 21 agencies in California, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for the 35 almost 35,000 folks that we serve now who are, quote, on the spectrum, that's uh, meaning that they have 
uh, symptoms of autism in more or less degrees. uh, that we cannot account for all those people simply on the basis that we have uh, broadened the definition. But there's, I see. there's a tremendous fear that uh, there could be something else causing it. Yeah, and that's what they're doing, some research. Share the history. When did this start occurring? Because we talked about in our pre-interview a little bit about uh, DNA and toxins and uh, and about uh, the environmental type things, and, that, and this is some of the questions people have brought up. But when did, in 1994, you changed over a little bit, but is that when the surge started showing, or was it before then? It was it was actually well before that. Um, we started seeing increases in the mid '80s, mm-hmm. uh, and by the early '90s, um, I can recall that as a clinician when I was working in Los Angeles that in the early uh, '80s, particularly, uh, autism was rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a child or a family came into our agency there with uh, that had symptoms uh, that suggested autism, we would uh, there would be several. Uh, professionals gather around to work together to try to clarify the diagnosis because mm-hmm. we found it educational and, and interesting. But mm-hmm. by the time, uh, by 1992-93, we were, uh, whereas we would see maybe three or four kids a year, we were now seeing uh, maybe two or three, sometimes four kids a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has just very slowly uh, began to escalate uh, mm-hmm. to the the, the current uh, numbers of kids, which right. uh, is actually now uh, around 750 to 850 children identified uh, with the disorder every three months. Every three months. That's and, a huge number. Yes. And those are only kids that are over age three mm-hmm. that uh, whose families voluntarily uh, uh, bring them to the regional center for services. And a lot of parents just don't know, and they just think, oh, he's delayed because, you know, my, my husband was delayed in speech or whatever, and they let it go. And I know I did pull up some of your reports, and if anybody's interested, you have lots of information. Just look under Dr. Ron Huff on the Internet uh, research, you know, papers. But one of them you had mentioned here that it's best to get children in, and we're going to talk about when, but under the age of three, Right. Yes, that's uh, over the past few years, uh, the past 15 years, uh, particularly with federal research monies going into developing uh, really uh, good diagnostic instruments, uh, mm-hmm. we have gotten to the point where we can diagnose kids reliably, mm-hmm. uh, certainly by three years, and, and in some cases uh, with experienced clinicians by two years. Mm-hmm. What can parents look at? I mean, what, did, what can they look for when they're, they're concerned about this, and how soon uh, does it show up? Well, uh, in nineteen in two thousand two, uh, actually, we published uh, uh, what we call best practice criteria for diagnosing, uh, screening, and diagnosing children with autism. And uh, I'll just uh, recite some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you had a child uh, who's not babbling, uh, simply is not vocalizing vowel sounds of any sort uh, by twelve months, that would be what we call a red flag. You you would and that doesn't mean the child would have autism, but that would, if that child is not babbling by 12 months, uh, that would uh, you would certainly want to mention that to your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one of the hallmarks of autism, especially in 12-month-old in children, one year at one year of age, is the uh, lack of uh, what we call conjoint attention. That, mm-hmm. And the classic example of that is the little 12-month-old who uh, notices an airplane flying overhead mm-hmm. and uh, looks to his mom and then points to the airplane and then looks back to the mom. Mm-hmm. That child is referencing the object of his interest and at the same time uh, trying to in- uh, involve his mother in mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. So 
that is missing in children with autism. It's a it's a pretty uh, strong indicator of a risk for children. If they if they don't have that that connection, the connection. What other signs would parents look for? Uh, no single words by 16 months. If mm-hmm. you know by the time they're at 16 months, if they don't have uh, milk, cookie, um, and a few other words, uh, mm-hmm. that's another sign. Okay. Any uh, dramatic regression, say in children uh, two over two years who have had some language. And now all of a sudden, within a matter of a month or uh, six weeks or so, begin to lose that language uh, mm-hmm. and, and start to withdraw. Mm-hmm. That would be, uh, that's, a, uh, that's a sign of regression, and that is a characteristic of some children with autism. Now, do pediatricians, they're, they're updated on this. So if you go to your pediatrician and you say, these are some of the signs I'm seeing, would they be able to refer over to um you know, and this is we have you know twenty twenty seven countries that listen to our program. So in other countries and other states, there are programs throughout the world, or especially in the United States, and some of the countries are a little behind, and some are more advanced um, that can help parents uh, with their concerns before the child gets too old. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, fortunately, there's enough information I think now, uh, especially with the internet, that uh, any family. Uh, could get on, could go online if they have a concern and mm-hmm. they want to learn more about it. They there are a number of websites that, that they could visit uh, and get uh, enough basic information about these so-called red flags or screening uh, items that they could have an intelligent conversation with their uh, pediatrician mm-hmm. and carry it in with you and just highlight some areas of, of concern and not be afraid to bring it up too. Exactly. Yeah. We, one, one of the things we're trying to uh, get uh, pediatricians at the um, at the uh, at the 12 month and 24 month, or the actually it's the eight, the 15th month and uh, 24 month uh, well baby clinic visits, mm-hmm. we want them to listen very carefully to uh, to mom's concerns. If mom mm-hmm. raises any question whatsoever about her child in any of those, uh, like the social withdrawal, the emotional mm-hmm. uh, withdrawal, or loss of language, or any of those things, they should just immediately begin to focus on what that mom is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to that, ask a few more questions, and then make a referral mm-hmm. to a clinic that's qualified to make a, a, a more definitive mm-hmm. screening. Let me share a little a little tip I use, too, and I find that really helps because we have four children, and, and uh, we've had one, one child that has some special needs, um, is that I found that if I made a list of questions for my doctor, and I put them and I double-spaced them, and I kept a copy and gave one and asked them to please add this to the medical records, I had a lot more attention because then it become, it becomes part of that file for that child Absolutely. with my concern. So if something happens later on, yes. it was brought up. So not just verbal, yeah. but to write those questions down, uh-huh. you keep a copy and you give one and say, please put this into my, my child's file. That's an excellent idea. And that way it's in there. And a doctor's because of liability, really pay attention to anything in writing. <laughs> And so I think that's important for families, too. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about autism from Dr. Huff. Um, and he's a well-known uh, national speaker and has a vitae that's huge and lots of information to help you if you're concerned with autism or know somebody that uh, has maybe been diagnosed or maybe has not been. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this quick message. has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? 
Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on AM 710 KFIA. And if you just joined us today, we're talking with Dr. Ron Huff, um, Director and Clinical Intake Division um, Head at Alta California Regional Center about autism. And it's a very important topic that is affecting many of us on a personal level and um, uh, very important information we're sharing. Uh, before we continue, I want to give you some websites. You can also visit, uh, if you'd like more information uh, regarding adoption or parenting, you can visit openadoption.com. Um, for women considering adoption, they can visit also adoption, uh, birthmotherblessings.com, birthmotherblessings.com. And Ron, could you give us a website too to your site? Um, you know, you're, you're in Alta uh, Regional. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing over there and what your website is too. Well, uh, Alta California Regional Center is one of 21 agencies that are actually funded uh, by state tax dollars to provide services to uh, persons who by the federal definition, have a developmental disability, and that can be a person with mental retardation, epilepsy, cerebral palsy, or mm-hmm. autism. And if if a person has one of those four uh, diagnoses and is and the diagnosis has impacted their life uh, substantially, meaning that they require uh, lifelong planning and coordination of services, meaning that they're fairly dependent on other people. Uh, structuring their daily activities for them, they would likely be eligible here for a variety of services. Okay, great. And the website, too, where they can find it, I guess they can look it up because we have people from all over. Um, yes. Yeah, I would just say go ahead and, and uh, you know, contact us if they want. Again, autism online, as long as you're going to a legitimate site, you know, um, look for the information and the, the recommendations uh, there. You know, we have a lot of questions that came in. I've got one here from... Um, a family, uh, Adam in Washington, wants to know about um, new studies. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that, that there are some new studies being done um, in the future, and you're working on some legislative-type things in California, right? Yes. You want to just briefly touch on that since that's his first question, then we'll go on to the other ones? Yes. Uh, well, for example, um, <clears throat> with all of the advances in computer technology, uh, we just had an article published this uh, week uh, that uh, involved a large sample. And, of course, all scientific research uh, uh, seeks to have the largest sample uh, that it can because it has more power that way. It has mm-hmm. more uh, believability and validity. So this was a sample of well over a 1,000 families with two or more children with autism. Hmm. And what they did was they took DNA samples from those families and uh, pass them over what's called a gene chip. And this, this is a microprocessor, just, it's not just like the one in your computer, but it's a more advanced uh, version of that, that actually uh, identifies uh, differences in strands of DNA and compares that from one family to the next and then compares it to typically developing people. And out of that study, they have now isolated uh, two uh, very likely uh, chromosomes that mm-hmm. uh, will likely be responsible for the inheritance of autism. Wow. So can two healthy parents actually then produce, or is it usually in a family? It, it More typically, it runs in families that have other um, uh, types 
types of heritable uh, disorders. Mm-hmm. And that can be seizure disorder. It can be uh, a variety of mental disorders, including schizophrenia. It can be alcoholism, mm-hmm. uh, epilepsy, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, some of the causes of autism can also be uh, caused by uh, a mutation, which mm-hmm. is simply a, an unexpected uh, a deletion or uh, duplication in some of the DNA strands. Well, this is what one woman's asking here. Now, here's one from Don in Washington. He's asking about a vasectomy and the sperm quality. Can that affect, uh, you know, a, a pro- a producing a child with autism? No, no. Nothing, a reversal, I guess. No, they, uh, that would have little, if anything, to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 typically, in most of the cases, we, we, we think around 80% of the cases, uh, the the error in the DNA sequence has already occurred. It's mm-hmm. it's already present, and uh, a a physical procedure like that, I don't think. I'm not a medical physician. Yes. I'm not a medical doctor, mm-hmm. so I can't say. But I have been in this field for a long time, and I've never had that. Heard of that. Or C-section. Stacy in Ohio was sitting on C-section. She had a C-section. Can this cause it? Her no, child? Okay. absolutely cannot cause it. Okay. Well, that that uh, puts a couple people to ease on that one. Uh, another question comes in. Um, this is coming in from a. Um, about food dyes, colors, uh, and also umbrella issues like sensory um, issues. Do you, are you seeing some tie-in with food dye, food dyes, uh, number red, you know, red dye and, and maraschino cherries and things like that? Over the years, a large number of different uh, uh, elements that are commonly found in the uh, environment have been uh, uh, nominated as causes of autism, but to, to this date, there's not a single bit of evidence to indicate that anything like food coloring or anything like that uh, contributes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is prenatally or afterwards? Because it would, it be would have to be prenatally. Prenatally, okay. So if a, a woman's really hooked on Diet Cokes, is she predisposing herself of, of having a child with, with um, some developmental delays? We, there's no evidence to indicate uh, something like aspartame or anything like that would uh, be uh, related to mm-hmm. autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I must say at the same time, we, uh, there, the Mind Institute, which is right here in Sacramento, mm-hmm. uh, has, uh, is now in its fourth year of a five-year study that's looking at a, uh, up to around 25 uh, separate types of chemical compounds mm-hmm. Uh, that we don't ordinarily think of, uh, the kinds of compounds that go into the plastics and seat covers and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. that they're looking at 25 different of those to see if any of those are linked uh, to uh, autism. Well, that's good because Ron in Texas does ask about, could plastic and microwave play a role? <laughs> so uh, We don't have any definitive evidence yet, but I think in probably another year or so we should know mm-hmm. uh, if there is a, a link, a connection between mm-hmm. some of these uh, these man-made compounds that have mm-hmm. been released into the environment and uh, autism. Now, there's also been a concern about immunizations, a tie-in with autism, you know, mercury poisoning, having kids hair tested and find out that they have high levels of mercury. How, how can you address that for us? Well, it, there have been a number of studies that are very um, <clears throat> that have been very broadly based studies, meaning that they involve large samples of people uh, that have shown no real direct link of uh, of, of thimerosal, which is a uh, is a mercury uh, uh, preservative that goes into uh, some vaccines. There's been no direct link uh, based on these studies that have been done so far to cause uh, to show that that, that causes autism. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. If you, if you believe in the theory of, of autism, which is that 
that a family brings a vulnerable gene, that is a string of DNA somewhere mm -hmm. in the nucleus of a cell is vulnerable, meaning that it could very easily be modified, mm -hmm. uh, then if you think about, well, it's possible that mercury, even a small amount, uh, could could cause that. So mm -hmm. could alcohol. Mm -hmm. So could a virus. If you mm -hmm. if mom contracted a virus at the right uh, mm -hmm. at the critical period in a pregnancy, right. you could see that uh, mm -hmm. disturbing that vulnerable uh, section of DNA. So mm -hmm. the theory is that it, it you have to bring two things to this equation. One is a, a vulnerability, and then be exposed to something environmental that mm -hmm. could trigger it. And it, and it uh, mm -hmm. we can't say that uh, thimerosal in the mercury vaccine and the uh, preservative in vaccines is not causing autism. But if it is, it's probably in a very, very small percentage of kids. And it's so hard. And, you know, this brings me to another part. Families are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. You know, what did I do wrong? Their, their minds are racing. They stay up at nighttime. And then they've got family pressure. What can you recommend for them or what can you help families and extended families on what to say and not to say and, you know, that type of thing? Well, I would recommend that families go to the Department of Developmental Services, mm -hmm. um, that's uh, that website, uh, and, and download a copy of the best practice uh, guidelines. And uh, you will see in there that uh, counseling of the family, as soon as a clinician or a pediatrician uh, or a neurologist has given a family a diagnosis of autism, there ought to be an immediate follow-up, a sit-down session that could last literally anywhere from one to two hours up to multiple sessions where the family is given a thorough explanation of the biological nature of this disorder uh, and what can be expected from it and what uh, are the options available to them for treating it and, and really give the family hope. And, 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 and also uh, talk to the extended family members to, to encourage them uh, to understand that this is not something that is mom's fault or dad's fault. It's mm -hmm. not something that we could ever do through any of our actions to make it happen. It's something that is just uh, an occurrence. Mm -hmm. And uh, to uh, to be supportive with the family and to work together, that's your best hope. The kids, right. the kids that have the best outcomes uh, are typically in families that uh, where everyone works together to stimulate that child to grow. And, you know, on the positive side, I have seen with my friends and family, uh, the, the families that are working really hard to get the services for their children, mm -hmm. there is great improvement and and yep. many of the children, you, you, there is no outside, outwardly uh, appearance uh, in this particular area. So I think it's important that um, you know people uh, realize that there are some. What are the what are the the programs? What treatment uh, options do people have um, in, in both the home and then center-based um, centers? Well, fortunately, after 20 years or more of, of, of our working to create programs that treat kids directly, uh, we have a, a, a wide variety of options. And mm -hmm. so depending on the age of the child, let's say for a child who's 24 months old, mm -hmm. uh, there are programs that have a developmental focus, meaning that you're interested in just uh, 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 being near that child uh, and stimulating that child in very mild ways mm -hmm. that, are, that are specific to that child's interest mm -hmm. in the hope of getting that child to begin to connect with you. Mm -hmm. So that if the child does make eye contact or does reach out or approach you or make a gesture that would suggest an attempt to communicate, you'd want to reinforce that. Right. And so we have those very mild approaches that are very effective and are a good uh, way to train parents to begin to relate to their kids who otherwise probably aren't relating 
because that's the very core uh, feature of autism. And, you know, this is uh, it's very important that parents spend time with their kids, maybe not put them in child care during that period of time because it could really delay the problems. Well, or... it could. It could because uh, most uh, times in child care situations, they, they're not getting the individualized uh, one-on-one, yeah. one-on-one uh, stimulation that they need. Yeah. You know, last question we have, too, is, is there hope for parents with, with children with autism? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every child with autism can make uh, a lot of progress, uh, uh, depending on that child's particular um, uh, strengths, uh, if they're given uh, early and uh, intensive intervention. Yeah. Well, that's been, that's, this has been very, very helpful and very insightful. Thank you so much, Dr. Huff. I really appreciate uh, all your work and what you're doing, and I wish you the very best in the future work you're doing with autism. Thank you for having me, Marty. Thank you. Well, it's been Marty Caldwell on Let's Talk Adoption. And gosh, it's been informative today, and uh, we're looking forward to spending time with you next week also. So until that time, have a wonderful, blessed week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.